my prayer while we were just worshiping uh, before the Lord was, God, unite us in hunger and thirst for you. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be what? Filled. And it's God's good purpose right now to fill our lives with himself. With the water that will actually satisfy. With bread that's life. With the thing that you need. That you may not even know you need. And when you bring this many people together, people are coming from so many different experiences right now age groups and so many dynamics but the one thing that we can be united on is that we can all be more hungry and more thirsty for the things of God father unify us on that issue right there draw us together as one in hunger and thirst for you increase so that you can satisfy and fill God, I thank you for that right now. Pray it in your name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let's just give the Lord some praise. It's awesome. You can go ahead and be seated. If you're um, familiar with how we order and do services, you probably noticed a little bit different flow today. And um, that's going to be true just over the next several weeks for this reason. It even affects the message this way. Um, we're just asking the Lord right now. Uh, we didn't think anything was wrong or that anything was, was out of line. In fact, very satisfied with where it was. But we just asked the Lord, is there anything you want us to do that's different? I think asking and listening is really important. And so just asking, is there anything that you want us to do where we can, um, we can get other stuff out of the way and make it more about you? And we felt like the Lord uh, showed us a couple of things. One of those was rather than interrupt from worship and then going right into an opportunity to, uh, to teach. We had done a lot of announcements right then. So for right now, we're just throwing the announcements on the front end of it and just moving directly from worship into teaching because what we're, what we're praying and what we want is for hearts to be ready and open and God to be able to speak right then. We don't want there to be any lapse in between those two things. So that's one of them. And then this one is a little, um, makes me a little nervous, but I definitely felt like the Lord was speaking it to us. And then as a leadership team, we agreed. Uh, normally, and I think most churches probably do it this way, uh, we read and then we speak. We read and then we speak. So we're, we're studying the Bible or we're uh, reading a book and then that's what we're, we're teaching. We felt like what the Lord told us to do in this season that we're just kind of in right now is instead of reading and speaking, listen and speak. So there's a little pressure with that because I make this statement, and it's what I'm going to talk about uh, today. I make the statement that I hear from God. I hear God's voice. I'm always real quick, careful to clarify. I don't hear an audible voice. Do not worry. Don't go home and go, I knew that guy heard voices. That's not what, uh, what I'm saying. But I hear God in my heart, and I hear him often, and I've learned to distinguish his voice. And um, I think what's really important is that if God is talking to us and we're recognizing it, then now instead of picking a subject six months back that we're going to be talking about, now it's allowing for God 
um, in a 10-day time period to say this, and we're speaking it out right then and there. And there's a life to that. It's not that the other is wrong, and I'm sure not saying we'll never go back to doing series. But for right now, here's what this is called, a series that's not a series. So we're literally listening to the Lord week by week and then allowing him to set up what we're going to talk about that week. So there may not be uh, a four or five part message to a particular subject. It may just be that this week, this is what we're going to talk about. And we just want to do that because we always want God to be able to move us even when we get comfortable. Does that make sense? So that's sort of what this is about. And um, John 6.63, be where I begin real quick. Uh, By the way, the notes, um, they're still there, so you'll need a pen or a pencil. Or if you use the online version of the U-Notes, that's great. Uh, We do this because we believe that um, even the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. And over a length of time, it is hard to remember things that you heard. And uh, by doing it this way, we just hope that it helps to... um, to plant a seed deeper in your heart and that you're able to recall or at least go back and look at what you heard. So John 6, 63, Jesus himself is teaching and he gets into the subject that I just mentioned to you that, um, man, words are powerful and that there are ways that God can speak through us. And so, um, are, are to us. And so Jesus uh, just says this as a really powerful sentence. The words that I speak, he's talking about himself, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. The New Testament uh, has a dual meaning for word. There's the written word. That's logos for those of you that might have heard it taught before. Logos just simply means to write it down. So when you read a book, you're reading a written down word. And it's powerful. What the what the Bible says about itself is that it's active and alive. So it was written some parts of it 2,000 years ago, some parts of it 4,000 years ago. But what makes it so different and unique is that it's like uh, uh, it can still speak to you right now. It's not just reading history. It's reading literally prophecy. It's reading things that God is saying right now. But then uh, the other meaning for word, you've got logos written. You've got rhema, R-H-E-M-A, which means spoken word. So there's two kinds of words, the kind that you write down and then the kind that you speak. And they both accomplish the same thing. On behalf of what God is saying, you can read it or you can hear it. Either way, both are right, both are powerful. What Jesus is saying in that sentence, the words I speak to you are life and they are spirit, it's both of those things that when he speaks, it's got a power to it. And when it's written, it's life-giving. And so we don't want to just get stuck doing one. We want to be able to do both things. And so that's what we're going to do for this little season that we're in. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. They're both of those things. So we just want to be hearing God and then speaking out what he is saying. So here's, where, um, here's what I'm going to do for this weekend because we're talking about hearing God and then speaking out what we're hearing, I want to, uh, I want to break it down, I guess. Um, because I make the statement a lot, I hear God, I'm hearing from God, God's speaking to me. I always get asked the question, so pastor, define that. What do you mean by that? That first one, like, do you hear it audibly? I've never heard the audible voice of God. Although, I had coffee with a guy this week who told me he heard the audible voice of God. It was a fascinating story. Just real quickly, how many of you have heard audibly God speak to you? Just put your hand up real quick. Look around. That's a third of the people in our room. Um, That's a unique thing. 
that is a very unique thing. If that has happened to you, wow, that is a, a, a very unique thing. Um, here's, here's what I wanted to do, though. Uh, usually when someone says, I heard the voice of God, and it is something supernatural like that, I think for many of us, we're like, how come God doesn't do that for me? And then you can tend to feel like, well, what's wrong with me? So I, I, I want to take this first message, and I want to just get into, like, when I say hear from I want to talk about how I hear from God. I want to talk about why it's important that you hear from God. It's not enough for you to come and hear a message and go, hey, I heard from God because you talked. Uh, no matter how great the message is, no matter how much you like it, here's the truth. It's secondhand information. Did you hear that? It's secondhand information. And God uses that. There's nothing wrong with that. But can I tell you what's even better is for God to talk to you himself. It's more powerful. It's more tailored. It's more, um, it's directive. It does so many things. It brings faith and it brings life and it brings joy. So uh, in your notes right here, I just wrote down, why is it important to hear God's voice? Why is it important to hear God's voice? I mean, do you have to? Do you need to? If you don't, does it make any difference? What's What's the big deal about it? And so these two things, I think, are really important. They're not rhetorical. Let me say that one more time. They're not rhetorical. I want you to talk back to me right now. So here's my question to you. Do you want to live? Good for you. Because the people last night, it was like they were confused over that (laughs) that question. (laughs) It's not a trick. Uh, (laughs) You want to live. Uh, And Jesus even said this. He came to bring life, and not just any life, but the life that's worth having or the abundant life. And so when I say live, I don't mean survive, which is what so many of us do. We survive. We're getting by. We made it through another day or we got to the weekend, but guess what? Monday's coming. So surviving's not what God is into. God promises abundance. He promises a life that's worth having. When does that start? I mean, do you have to be a certain age? Do you have to have a certain level of knowledge? You have to go to church. There's a new snow cone place, a, a shave ice place that stamps. Every time you go, you get a stamp. So you get a free one. In my wallet is enough to get all of us free snow cones <laughs> if you want to go with me after. <laughs> my grandkids love it. It's called Bahama Bucks for those who might know where it's at. You go enough and you get a free one. My thought is, For so many people, they think they have to do something enough to finally qualify. But Jesus, the work that he did on the cross, qualified you instantaneously for abundant life. So how do we tap into that abundant life and how do we live that abundant life? Especially when life happens to us, how do we keep that abundant life flowing? Because that's hard. It's like, okay, you promised abundant life, but we live in a fallen world. And how do those two things work? So why is it important to hear God's voice? I asked you if you want to live. Of course you want to live. Isaiah 55, 3. This is a prophet who prophesied a lot about, uh, about the Messiah. It's written 800 years before Jesus existed in the flesh. Now, we know that Jesus is God and that he uh, has always existed, but he came to earth as a man. Uh, the Bible says uh, sin entered the world by one man, Adam, and by one man, God has repaired That's Jesus. And so uh, Isaiah would prophesy a lot about Jesus, and Isaiah makes this observation. Here's what's funny. Um, You know, we're saying things right now, and we have no idea what what in the future will happen with those things. But this is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when he's writing it, I wonder if he ever had a thought that someday people will, they'll talk about this, and they'll, I, I, that's my own. So come to me, 
This is God speaking first person through Isaiah. God is saying, come to me with your ears wide, wide open. Listen and you will find So let's read it one more time. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promise to give my servant David. It's just a very simple scripture, but man, it's got a key or a secret to the kingdom of God right here. One of the reasons you want to hear God's voice, you want to hear God speak, you want to quote-unquote hear it, is because you want to live. He promises, come to me with your ears wide open, listen, and you will find life. Abundant life then, part of the key to living abundant life is finding that life when you hear God's voice. That makes sense? So why do you want to be able to hear it and not just hear it from me or hear it from a song or hear it from some, some podcast? Because the life that God has for you, the, the man, God has extraordinary life for you. And part of the way you find that is when you hear God speak to you. So you want to hear God's voice because you want to live. All right, this again is not rhetorical. I want you to answer this. How many of you want to prosper? If you didn't say yes, it's too late for you now. So we'll try one more time, give you a second chance. How many want to prosper? We want to prosper. There's no question about that. God made you to want to prosper. He made you to want to do better. Now, we live in a day, an age, church in particular, in our lifetime, has turned prosperity to mean money. So that when a pastor stands up and says prosperity, it's almost as though people are automatically uh, tainted to think finances. Now, Now, for sure, an element of prosperity is finances. There's no question about that. But man, God's God's blessing over your life, God's prosperity is far more than money. Because you could get money but be miserable. Do you know that there's a scripture? I'll I'll read it to you next week that says, says this. When God gives you blessing, he adds no trouble to it. So that means he could bless you financially and your children love you. <laughs> we want to live and we want to prosper. If you want to prosper, not just, I'm not saying rich, prosper. The word shalom, to be whole in your mind, your spirit, and your body. So God didn't just do something to make you feel good. He did something so that all, of, all the parts that make you whole can be whole. He wants you to be whole. So prosperity, listen real quick. God's view of prosperity is that you would be whole. You'd be whole in your mind. And you'd be whole in your body. And you'd be whole spiritually. Not just one or two, but all three. That's, that's biblical prosperity, that you'd be whole. So if you want to prosper... Jesus, again, talking about hearing the voice of God, Jesus uses a, um, a story, an analogy. Uh, we call it a parable. Maybe that's the way you've heard it taught. Uh, this is the one about the, the farmer who scatters seed. And Jesus is actually talking about himself and what he does, that, that he's out like a farmer who is scattering seed, and the seed is 
the words that he's speaking to people and the things that he's saying. And then he, he gives a definition of what happens to that seed. Some of that seed falls in really good places and brings back this really incredible prosperity. And some of the seed falls in places where it can spring up, but it doesn't have the foundation that's necessary to let it last, so it falls down. Some of that seed falls in places where there's other worries going on and people water the worries rather than water the seed. And so the worries choke out the seed. It's a real interesting idea. But he brings the whole thing together by saying this. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent, I just love this, honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word and then look at this. They cling to it and they patiently produce a what? Huge harvest. harvest. So I'm going to ask you one more time. How many would love a huge harvest in your life? So it's okay to say yes to that. If it's in the Bible, it's okay to say yes to that. You want that. And so this idea, man, of a huge harvest, here's how Jesus said it comes. One of the ways is that when the seed is given out, people who, who... who hear it right, who grab onto it, who hold on to it, who patiently, not up and down and, ah, today it works, but tomorrow it doesn't, or I can't do it anymore. I'm you hold on to it. And when life happens, you don't let go of it. And through patience, you reap a huge harvest. And how does that come? The seed is the word, man. You want to hear God's voice because that's the thing that gets you through life. That's how you do it. And so many times, this is what I get. Pastor, pray for me. It's always good for your pastor to pray for you. Don't misunderstand, okay? In fact, I had this thought this morning. I just texted my wife during church. Shouldn't do that. But I sit over there and she was sitting here. So I texted her real quick. I said, remind me to tell you a thought I have about prayer requests and our cross. Did you read it? Yeah. Yeah. Here's my thought. Let me just tell you what I'm thinking real quick. We, have, we, have, we used to use the crosses that, that are up in the sanctuary, and we use it as a place for people to go and take, um, take things they were dealing with and then nail it to the cross. Because that's what, that's what the Bible tells us to do with our sin. It was nail, nail it to the cross, man. That's where it belongs. Jesus dealt with our sin at the cross. So I just thought we don't have a formal way for people to get prayer requests. They, you know, they'll call the office or grab one of us, but um, what if we put paper there that just said prayer requests on it so people could write their prayer requests and then we just collect them so that the staff and leadership can pray over the prayer requests. Is that a good idea? I thought it was a good idea too. So, uh, <laughs> let it be done, let it be written. Okay. Um, <clears throat> remind me please to, don't let me forget that. Um, so if you want to prosper, then Jesus tells us that huge harvest comes through the seed is the word, hearing God speak. It's a seed, it's a word. It goes into your heart and it can produce a huge harvest or it can be choked out. Now this is rhetorical. Don't answer, just think. What's going on when it comes to harvesting in your life? Are you harvesting? Are you harvesting what you want to harvest? What's being reproduced in your life? Is that a good or a bad thing? Is it, are you going in the direction you want to be going? So good news today is that, man, the right seed in the right heart produces an incredible harvest. So it's never too late. 
If you can hear and receive, God can produce. Does that make sense? So it's never too late. How's the harvest in your life right now? All right, so um, at the risk of being embarrassed and misunderstood, uh, I'm going to talk about how I hear the voice of God. But when I, when I was writing this last week, I realized what I need to do is not so much um, give a formula, but just try to describe the way that I do it. Um, learning to discern God's voice. First, um, here's first. Here, here's the agreement that I want us all to have right now, okay? You can hear God's voice. Yes. And you'd be surprised... How many times I hear ongoing people will say, God doesn't speak to me. Let's agree about this. No longer will you agree with what the enemy says about you. That's the enemy who is telling you, you can't hear God's voice. Now, it's okay to say this. I don't know how to hear God's voice. Or I don't hear God's voice very often. Or I'm not sure if that's God's voice or not. It's okay to say that. Always be real. But if you go to the point of like, I can't hear God's voice, you're cutting off before God even starts the possibility. Don't do that. You must agree that you can hear God's voice. I will show you that it's not my opinion. It's what Jesus said. It's important. So um, just, just right there, I can know his voice. Three is simply, I can know his voice. John 10, excuse me, verses three and five. It's Jesus talking again. He's talking to his disciples, but he's talking about disciples. Those that follow him, those that are in relationship with him, those that's, you're at all sorts of different levels in that, I get it, but this is, this is a common denominator for the followers of Christ. Look at this. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, this part, and the sheep recognize his what? And come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and leads them out. Now it gets really specific. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. He's talking about the good shepherd. He walks ahead of them, and they follow him. Why? Because they know his what? And they won't follow a stranger. In fact, they will run from a stranger because they don't know his voice. So here's what the Bible is teaching us. It is possible to distinguish between voices. It's also saying that there are many voices out there vying for your attention and for your heart. And you've got to learn to distinguish which one is God and which one isn't. And so when you say things like, I can't hear the voice of God, first of all, you're going exactly the opposite of what Jesus said you can do. His sheep know his voice. They won't follow the voice of a stranger. So never say, I can't hear the voice of God. You can say, I'm not sure I know how to distinguish I don't feel like I'm hearing it very much. I need to get better at this. I struggle with it. All of those things are fine. That's real. But never agree with the liar. The liar will tell you, you can't hear the voice of God. You've got to say, I can hear the voice of God, and I need to get better at this. And you can distinguish voices. I'll give you some examples. When we were raising our five and they were little, the last last crew were twins. Two little boys. 
David and Daniel. And um, when we started the church 20 years ago, so they're, they're 26 right now. Um, 25? Sorry, 25 right now. Hey, I'm getting older. Give me, give me grace. They've done brain damage to me, to be honest with you. And that's, that's why I forget so much. Um, <clears throat> but so we started 20 years ago. They're five. They would go into to the nursery at the time. They weren't even in children's church yet. And it seemingly would happen this way. There's, you know, right before church is over, one kid would start crying. Not necessarily ours, but it could have been. And that would be a domino effect. Another would start crying. Another. And so like a soliloquy of 35-year-olds all screaming and crying. And Chris could always say, uh, John, that's Daniel. Go get him. And now all I could hear was 30 kids caterwauling. But she could pick out his voice. She could pick out David's voice. Any mom in this room, can you pick out your kid's voice over anybody else's? How? Because you learn to distinguish that voice, yes or no. If you're married, I bet you can distinguish your spouse's voice. If you can't, you won't be married very long. <laughs> it's true. I bet not only can you distinguish their voice, but I bet you can distinguish what mood they're in too. Yeah, you're nay. There are people that we pay who can mimic voices of famous people, and the reason it works is because we recognize voices. Close your eyes real quick. Just real quick, do this for me. Knock, knock. Pastor John. No, no. That's it. How do you know it was me? Know my voice? But your eyes were closed. You've learned to distinguish. How about this? I bet when your friend calls and you pick up the phone before they say anything else, they just go, hey, I bet you immediately can identify their voice, yes or no. If it's your mom or your dad and they're still with us, I bet you can identify their voice. I bet you can identify a voice of a person, a celebrity, a singer that you like. The reason you like the singer is because you like the voice. My point, I'm just trying to make this very simple for you. We take spiritual things and we, we, we attach to them such difficult formulas. The truth of the matter is, this is what Jesus is teaching. It's really simple. By learning to distinguish my voice, you can follow. In fact, what he really says is, I want to be so close to you, I'll call you by your name. That's really how we know. When someone that we know calls our name, we know who it is. We know who it is. You can know his voice. You learn to discern. All right. So I'm thinking about how through life I've learned to do this. So I, I just want to pastor you for just a few minutes here, right? Just talk to your heart and instruct. And I'm not, this isn't, you know, this is not from a book. This is, I don't think I would ever write this in some kind of a book. It's a little personal and it's a little embarrassing. And you might think, man, you really do that? And yeah, I really do this. Here's, here's my point. Um, I really do hear God speak to me, and I think he's speaking to me all the time. And there is something that has built into that. And so I'd like to pass on what's worked for me because I think it could work for you too. Now, this isn't a formula. Go do these exact things, and then you'll hear the voice of God. 
What I really need you to see is the relationship that's in the things that I do that make it then easier for me to have distinguished God's voice through the years. Once you get good at that and comfortable at that, uh, that question of is that God or is that me, is that God or is that the enemy, you'll know because you'll know the voice. And if you just don't know the voice, it's just because you haven't learned to distinguish. And it really is easier than you think it is, and you really can do it. And I really want to produce faith in you today to begin saying this and agreeing, because this is, why do you want to hear God's voice? Because you want to live and you want to prosper. And you can hear his voice. So let me give you a few things that I have done that helped me learn to know uh, what God's voice sounds like. Uh, there's, there is some kind of a rhythm and a discipline to this that has helped me. The first one, um, I'll just say this. Uh, I, when I was a young believer, I mean, you know, I, uh, I was born a Catholic kid. Uh, it chose me. I didn't choose it. That's just the way that it was and was like that for generations in my family. South Louisiana Catholic, so you're a Baptist or a Catholic. They're all heathens, but they're Baptists or they're Catholics. And that's just the way that it was. And um, I... I you know, I've told this story over and over again. I, you know, I, I did my first communion. I went through catechism. I was an altar boy. I didn't have any of the horrible experiences that we're reading about in the newspaper. I had a priest that was a good guy, to be honest with you. But here was the difference. I knew about God, but I didn't know God. And I just use this example time and time again. You hear me refer to my wife all the time. Those of you who have been with us through this, this journey <clears throat> excuse me, you've heard me talk about my wife. And so in one sense, you know her based on the fact that I talk about her, but the difference between how you know her and how I know her is intimacy and relationship, years in relationship, right? So you know her name and you know what she looks like and you've heard me talk about her. You think you know her, but you don't know her. Yeah. I know her. And that's how it was with me and Jesus. I knew about him. I had heard for years people talk about him, but I didn't know him. So when I say I became a believer, it wasn't that I didn't believe that there was a God. I didn't know God. And once I, I was introduced to the idea that God is not just out there somewhere, but he created you and he knows you, and the reason for your creation is to know him too and to be in that relationship with him. When I found that, when I discovered that, when that was not just words, there were some great things that happened. So I remember having a, a guy who worked sort of a sort of a guy that helped disciple me in my life when I was a, a young man, a young believer. And this was a challenge that the guy gave to me. He said, learn to discipline yourself to read the Bible. And I'm like, where do I start and what do I read? And I don't understand it when I do read it. He did a couple of really great things for me. He said, get a Bible that, that's translated into modern English. I had an old King James. Thee, thou, thouest, doest, youest, usest, all of that, right? <laughs> It was so formalized and so language, look at me real quick, language and words are important. They create an atmosphere and they're either helpful or they're harmful. And it does you no good to read something if you don't understand it, yes or no? Do you agree with that? It does you no good to read it if you don't understand it. So the point is, you want to understand what you're reading. So the guy at the time, it was the living Bible. For those who might remember, it was a real popular version, but it just took modern vernacular and, and uh, held true to the, um, to the text while using modern vernacular. So I began to read it, but this was his challenge. Read, come hell or high water, read one chapter a day. 
Just tell yourself you're going to do it and do it. Commit to do it for a year and see if you can do it. I like a challenge, right? So it wasn't even like I want to grow. It was like I want to win. Whatever it takes, man. And I began to read the Bible one chapter a day. And without fail, I did that for one year. And then that grew into another year. And I don't even know how many times I've gone through the Bible. Now, the point is just what we said. If you read it and you don't understand it, it didn't help you. But if you read it and you understand it and you put some kind of discipline to it, here's what happens. When you begin to read it and you understand it and you do it as a discipline, an ongoing thing in your life, don't despise the word discipline, by the way. I don't mean discipline like you're being punished. I mean like you're ordering your life. Some of us are disciplined by not being disciplined. That is your discipline. And things are just scattered. This was just reading it, a chapter, and what it did was give me a rhythm in hearing from God on a day-to-day basis. And I just challenge you with that real quick. If you have no discipline in how you read the Bible, if you have one of those ones, you open it up, dust blows all over the place. Dude, that's, you may, today we have, especially, especially with devices, I, I've got a program that has, I think it's got 60 or 70 versions of the Bible right in front of me. God, the ease with which we, there is more word in the world today than at any other time in history. And maybe less reading of it than at any other time in history. People have preconditioned themselves to let someone else tell them this is what's in there. And we forsake reading it and getting it ourselves. And that's where, that's why people begin, I, I'm not hearing God, I, I hear God when you talk. I want you to hear God because he talked to you. So learn some kind of discipline with it. That helped me. Where should you start? Open it up and go. Just do it first, and then you can get good at how to do it. But develop the ongoing discipline of it. Read a chapter a day. Romans 10, 17. Look at this real quick. Faith comes from what? One more time. Join me on this. I'm going to count to three, and let's read it. One, two, three. Faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. You're probably used to it saying faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the word of God. This is just using modern vernacular. The point simply is this, faith, faith is necessary to please God. Faith is necessary to do great things for God. Faith is necessary to get out of bed and not freak out when you're watching the news. Faith is necessary to lay down at nighttime and think to yourself, it's all going to be okay Faith is everything. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by what God says to us. If you struggle with faith, then you just need to hear more of God. If you struggle with hope, look at me, you need to hear more from God. If you struggle with joy, you need to hear more from God. It really is a simple formula, man. Faith comes by hearing. When you read it, the opportunity for God to speak to you through the word is there. That's why the Bible is an active, we call our constitution, living. It doesn't come close to living like the Bible lives. It's alive. God's spirit, it's, it's, the word inspiration means God breathed. God breathed. If you need inspiration in business, here's what you really need for God to breathe on you. Start praying for that. God, inspire me. 
That's what the Bible, it's God's inspiration is in it. He can breathe on you and it's creative inside of you. So learning to read it was one of the ways I learned to hear his voice. I disciplined myself that on an ongoing basis, I'm listening for God. I think many of us say this, I want to hear from God, but we never position ourselves to do so. And what we tend to think is, God's everywhere, all the time, all-powerful, all-knowing. So if he wants to talk to me, he knows where I'm at. Oh, that's true. But why not make it as easy as possible? Put yourself in a position uh, at our, maybe this is too, too much information. Um, I get up early, early in the morning, and Chris is a pretty early riser too. But the first thing that we do uh, beyond brushing our teeth, um, just so we can stay married for a long period of time, um, I, go, I go my way down to a chair, and she goes uh, her way into another part of our house, and we both have our routine in the morning where, um, whereby we start our day. Mine, I, I've got a Bible. I've got, I've got two physical Bibles that I use. One is in my office that I use to talk to you. And then I've got one right next to a chair that I don't read it to ever tell you what it says. Let me, let me explain this, okay? I fell into the trap as a pastor that every time I was reading, I was reading it to try to get something to feed you with. And what happens is other people are growing, but all of a sudden you're not because you're not reading it for you, you're reading it for them. And so I had to learn this little trick, man. I've got two Bibles and one I never talk to you about what I read in that Bible because that's just me trying to talk to God. And I've had to learn to separate those two things. Then I've got one in my office that I read to talk to you, to feed you, to bring things to you. So I have a discipline whereby I start my day. So no matter what, even if I still to this day, all these years later, still try to hold to doing a chapter a day. Now my reading has become more sophisticated and I've added study with it and I, sometimes it's, you know, I'll just have fun breaking down words, trying to figure out, it's just, this is the, the nerdy, geeky side of your pastor, okay? But it's just, that's just, there's a discipline there. So when I say I hear God's voice, I've, I created a discipline. Let me, let, I'm, I'm gonna get stuck here. I need to, to, to move on. Uh, here, here's a word that, um, um, uh, it, it's used today, but the context and the way that it's used today compared to how the Bible meant it um, there, there are two different things. Meditate. There's a lot of apps out there right now on mindfulness. That's the word today for meditation. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. So let me just talk to you very quickly. Uh, a lot of believers are freaked out by the idea of meditation because we think that it comes from some uh, Middle Eastern philosophy. Real quickly, Jesus was Middle Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to be here, let's laugh and have a good time. So people get very freaked out, but I, I know what you mean. We're thinking in terms of um, a, a, a philosophy that doesn't line up with the Bible. But um, the truth of the matter is, uh, go back 4,000 years, and the Bible was already talking to us about the benefit of meditation. But it probably is a little bit different than how you're thinking or how, um, how Apple has taught us to think about meditation. So uh, let me give you two really sweet, sweet verses. This is from the book of Joshua. Um, and, and Joshua's advice to the people that he's, um, he's dealing with, again, uh, under inspiration. So God, God's breathing on Joshua 
and his thoughts and, and what's in his heart and what he's writing are coming from God's heart. And so this is God speaking to us. Study this book of instruction continually. And then the very next word, meditate. Say it with me. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So there it is again. You want to prosper. God wants you to prosper. And he gives you a key to prosperity. Remember, prosperity is not just, it's just finances. Prosperity is to be whole. It's to be whole in all areas of your life. One of the ways that we find that wholeness, that, that abundant life, is when we meditate on God's word. You meditate whether you know it or not. And here's, here's because the word is a seed, whatever you're producing in your life, real quickly, good or bad, I'm not being ugly, my name's John, I'm your pastor, I love you, my words are full of love right now, but hear truth right now. Whatever is being reproduced in your life, in a large amount, it's because of what you meditate on all day long. You just may not know, your mind is never blank. Your mind is running constantly. You just may not be present to what you're thinking about. But what you allow yourself to think on is what you're reproducing in your life. And and the good news again is that if you don't like the harvest, change the seed. And if you like the harvest, increase the seed. It's, it's the, the ability for God to do great things with this. To meditate is just simply to think on that thing, to dwell on that thing. Look, look at this scripture right here, because we can do this one today. It's really, really powerful. This is from Psalms 48, verse 9. King David writes this, God, we meditate on your unfailing love. So we think about over and over God's unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Here's what he's saying. When we go to church and we're worshiping, the thing that we're thinking about is how much you love us. How much different would your life be if your primary thought was, God loves me unconditionally? I wonder how much shame and condemnation the average person lives with because that's what they think about. I wish you could become very present to what your mind does all day long. Because it's very easy to have thoughts and not realize what you're thinking about. Anybody in this room? Uh, maybe I, this, is, this is rhetorical. Have you ever had conversations over something that never actually happened? Yes. So I do that. Like, you know, I'm having a fight with someone who's never done anything to me because of the way they looked at me. Make this whole thing up in my head. And you're thinking about it. With a, and then all of a sudden, you're mad and you're stressed. I don't want to be around that person. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Has anybody ever, ever done that? So we meditate all day long, and it reproduces in us emotions, actions, attitudes, and we never, some of them are not even based in truth. Well, why did he look at me that way? He had gas, and he didn't. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Somebody cut them off. She got bad news about her husband. You never know. But we feel the enemy is so good at giving us three words and we write a whole script. And meditate on it, meditate on it, meditate on it. Um, Pray the word. Matthew 4, 4. um, Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. 
uh, and was tempted by the enemy, did battle with the enemy, spiritual warfare. He fasted during that time. So, of course, he's hungry. And the devil used, um, he used three or four things to entice Jesus to turn from the Father. One of them was power. Uh, one of them was, um, I'll, I'll, I'll basically give you your own religion, taking him on top of the temple, taking him on top of the mountain. And then he used just a physical one. Jesus is hungry, and the devil just says to him, well, if you are the Son of God, uh, turn that rock into a bread and have a meal right now. And Jesus, every time he never, you know, he wasn't screaming at the devil, he wasn't, he just would answer the devil using scripture that was inside of him. And so um, it just, so Jesus told him, the enemy, nope, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's just simply, um, if Jesus did it that way, it's in there because he is the model for how we're to live life. And Jesus, I think of all people, lived abundant life. I mean, even going to the cross, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the shame of the cross, man. He was willing to do it because of the joy. Somehow Jesus had abundant life in the middle of tremendously difficult things. And one of the secrets was Jesus, when he would talk to the Father, would use the word. That's how he just answered with the word. He knew God had said this, and so he would say back what God said. It's a tremendously powerful philosophy for spiritual warfare. Want to fight the devil? Here's two quick things. Do the opposite of what he wants you to do, and just quote back to him what the word of God says. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. But if you're struggling with, with uh, boy, you know, a word we don't talk about much in church is sin. It's like we're going to offend somebody if we talk about sin. And yet the Bible clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Our sin put Jesus on a cross, but God's love for us has brought reconciliation. But just real quickly, the fact that he has dealt with your sin doesn't mean that you don't play that battle out on a day-to-day. How are you doing with sin? Is it mastering you or are you overcoming it? Now, this isn't legalism and this isn't, I hate legalism. I came out of legalism. I don't have a list for you, the way you need to act, talk, what you can wear on your wrist and what you can drive in your driveway, what you can see, what you can listen to whether or not you can or can't wear makeup or jewelry or cut your hair a particular way. All of those things are so stupid. They're such a waste of time. It's fig leaf religion, little fig leaves we put up between us and God to make us think that we're holy. I'm talking about the real thing. How are you doing with sin in your life right now? Is it mastering you or are you overcoming it? Are there things you can't escape from? Because one of the ways to do battle with it, David said it this way, Your word I have put inside my heart so that I won't sin against you. Want to fight the devil hearing God's word. Am I making any sense? You're following. It's just, it's, uh, all right, let me, forgive me for, I've just kind of drugged this out now. Um, Okay. I really do these things that I'm about to tell you. I really do. And I don't want you to judge me. You don't have to do it but it might help you if you did do it. If you struggle with hearing God's voice, if you're not sure that you hear God's voice, if you're not sure how to hear God's voice, let me, uh, here's just, this is, a, this is what I'm trying. Learning to become, listen to the words, 
present to his presence. Follow me real quick. Present to his presence. God is everywhere all the time, but many times we're very unaware of it. We act like God is a million miles away doing something else rather than standing right next to you. The Bible says he is closer than the breath of your nostrils. How close is that? He's close. And if we would ever live our lives with the conscious understanding that God, he's close. He is close. When someone's close, you generally recognize it. When someone does something for you, you recognize it. It's just part of how, but we treat God so differently, which I think hinders the relationship. So what I'm about to give to you are just things that I think have increased a familiarity, a a present to the presence of God. They've just made it where this is my, so the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, out loud, not in my head, out loud, I say, good morning, Holy Spirit. I say that. Why? Because I'm trying to get my mind in line with truth that God is here right now. After the heart attack a couple of years ago, I added another sentence to it. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Thank you, I'm alive. (laughs) This is one where... Do you really do this? Yes. Whenever I look at the mountain, I played in this golf tournament on uh, Friday and the first part of yesterday morning, and it was cold, but the air this time of year is so clear, and the sky is so blue, and you look up at those foothills. Do you know people come from all over the world to see what we don't recognize? And you want to become present. I'm trying to get you to become present. So I do this. When I see something that beautiful, I always comment out loud, sometimes just under my breath, but I'll do this right here. God, you are one incredible artist. That is some good work right there. Why would you say something like that? To become present to his presence. Plus, when someone does something incredibly nice for you, shouldn't you say thank you? Shouldn't you recognize it? Uh, here's a, here, for those of you who struggle in your marriage, how about saying thank you to your spouse? Wow, wow, there was it. Did you hear? Yeah. Here's a, uh, are you with your spouse right now? Just look at them real quickly and pray. Thank you. Thank you. Do you hear all the kisses going on? Look at that. Yes, you're welcome. You're very welcome. I could turn this whole thing into a makeout session. It's a... <laughs> Just to say thank you to someone recognizes the effort. The sunset, the molecules that he purposed to come together to reflect the sunlight that was created so long ago so that you could see it for 10 seconds. God did it to impress you. And we walk by it like it's nothing. And I just wonder if we began to say thank you. If it wouldn't cause us, God doesn't change. And he doesn't get upset because we don't recognize. But I think when we stand in heaven and we say, God, why didn't you talk to me? What if God shows you a million sunsets? It says, I tried every day.
to become thankful, it's, it puts a recognition of the fact that God is at work in our life and it brings us present to the presence of God. I literally say, nice work. Very impressive. You are a genius. I will say that a lot. You are a genius. <laughs> Pastor, that's just a little weird. Well, what kind of harvest do you want? I'll let you judge what you're getting. I can stand up here and tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, God is speaking to me right now in my heart. God is pleased with me right this moment because of what I just said to you. And I hear him saying it to me. What kind of harvest do you want? Become present to the presence of God. Uh, boy, the last thing. Um, a key to hearing, a key to God speaking is obedience. Obedience is a key. There's a connection. They're symbiotic with each other. Uh, it would simply be like this. Boy, um, why, don't, why do I say this? Do I want to say this? Um, <clears throat> this is not with everybody, but with the people who seek me for counsel. So I've just done this long enough and helped enough pastors that I'm at a place in my life now where I get constantly sought out for advice and counsel. And here's what I've learned to do when somebody's doing that. If my voice is only one of many voices, then I generally don't give my greatest advice. If it doesn't matter that much to a person, if they haven't learned to separate my voice from other voices, all you're doing is looking for repetition to tell you what you want to hear. You're not really looking for... To, am I making any sense to you? But when I realize someone is seeking, like, I've separated your voice from another voice. I've elevated it. I see it at a higher level. This is not an ego thing. I'm trying to tell you it's, it's a flow in life. When I recognize that somebody has learned to separate my voice, and what they're saying is, I see you at a level of knowing something I don't know, and I need help, and I'm willing to listen to what you say right now. I'll give them the very best that I have knowing that it will make a difference in their life. So when someone asks, and I know they're serious about it, I respond real quickly. Just listen. So many times with God, we pray prayers that he's just one voice amongst many. And our God, if he's nothing else, is worthy of us elevating him to the highest level in life. And if not, then he's not... Lord of your life. I don't know if I'm helping you on that one or not. But a key to hearing is obedience. Just Psalms 119, give me understanding and I will obey, I will obey your instructions. In other words, hey, if, if, if it's elevated, give me that understanding and so I will obey. Matthew 7, 26, um, uh, anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. This is Jesus talking like a person who builds a house on sand. I mean, if we're asking God to speak to us, then there should be an elevation of God's word above everything else. Okay, um, I'm done. Forgive me for taking extra time with this. I, I do hope you feel like I pastored you a little bit uh, today and, and tried to walk your heart through something. Just real important. Um, I, you know, when we, when we started the church... Um, there was a real supernatural event that got me to leave northern Colorado 
and come to Denver. I was in an awesome situation. I was the associate pastor of a church um, that I respect with all of my heart. It's an, it's an incredible church. The pastor, uh, he's retired now, but the pastor of the church at the time is my pastor. Pastors need pastor. His name's John Stalker. He's my pastor. He was going to retire, and he came to me and said, um, will you stay here and take this church? Will you be the pastor of this church? And I said, yeah, I will. Can't think of a better thing that could happen. My mistake in that is that I didn't ask the Lord. I didn't ask the Lord. And in January of 1998, I had this incredible dream where God spoke to me. And I, I don't have time to go through that right now, but it, it, was, it was irrefutable what I needed to do. And it was, I needed to leave there and I needed to come to Denver. Nobody was inviting me to Denver. There was nothing to come to. It was just what God had called us to do. So I have shared that dream and it was supernatural. Those that have been around here long enough have heard me talk about it once or twice. It was really supernatural. There was another dream in our life that was supernatural. Um, we were in our very first ministry position. We were youth pastors. It was our first time we were being paid uh, full-time in ministry. We had just gotten through school. We were having, um, we, were, we were doing terrible. We were doing terrible. Nothing was going right. In fact, here, here's what it had. The pastor came and said, you can leave or I can fire you. That's what it had come down to. And um, um, there was nothing to point at that would have said, these guys are ever going to have any success. It was just the opposite. It was a, um, I'm just, I don't know how to, it was just, it was a terrible, you ever had a terrible season? Yeah. It's like, and it just compounded itself almost every day. It got so bad, I remember walking home uh, one afternoon and coming in and um, Chris was in the family room just sitting and um, um, with her back to me and when she turned, tears are streaming down her face. I said, what's wrong? She says, they hate us here. They hate us here. They hate us here. That's a terrible feeling, <laughs> you know. Um, so it just wasn't going well, and there was, I mean, we, there was no encouragement. There was nothing, and uh, so we went to bed, and, and I had a dream early, early in the morning. It's not light, but it's not dark. It's twilight, and I know that Jesus came in the room and stood next to the bed, and he talked to me. I didn't see his face, but he talked to me, and he encouraged me, and he told me, here's what the future's going to look like. Not a, but it was a picture. One of it, I was standing in a place much like this with many people who cared about what I had to say. But at the time, there was nothing to point that that wasn't just pizza <laughs> or burritos or Cajun food. And the Lord said this to me, so you'll know it's me and not you. Chris is having the exact same dream right now. And I open my eyes and I look at her and I don't prime the pump. God doesn't need my help, and it takes away the power of it if you do that. I opened my eyes, and she opened hers. I didn't shake her. I didn't call her name. I just opened my eyes, and she opened hers. I'm laying on my pillow looking at her, and she's laying on hers looking at me. I said, are you having a dream right now? And she said, yes. I said, what's going on in the dream? She said, you're standing in front of a group of people, and it's our church, but it's way in the future. And there were a couple of other things that were particular to it. But of course, man, it felt like electric shock hit me, I jumped up out of the bed and I grabbed a piece of paper and I was writing down as fast as I could all the things that God was telling us. Fast forward 30 some odd years later and many of those things have not come to pass. Now the only reason I'm telling you this is I have shared at different times these dreams 
And you know, there's a cause and effect sometimes you don't realize what you're creating. I did it to build faith in people, and what it did in many cases was cause people to feel like, if I don't get a dream like that, God's not speaking to me. And what a horrible thing that is. And it was unintentional. And it's almost made me reticent to share then those things because I never want anyone in this room to think, if God doesn't do that for me, then I'm not hearing from God. That's such a mistake. So I calculated this last week. Listen to this. I rounded up just a little bit. I have lived 20,000 days. But God's only spoke to me twice in dreams. So the other 19,998 days are lived with what I'm telling you. God's speaking to my heart on a day-to-day, ongoing basis. Dreams are wonderful. You want to know why I had to have two dreams? Because I'm so hard-headed. And I don't believe in myself sometimes. I could have never believed that by going to Denver, anybody would have cared one iota that I was there. And God had to do something beyond the pale. Wouldn't it have been better if God could just say, hey, John, let's go to Denver today. And I could just say, let's go. That's relationship. The other stuff is cool, but if we have to have a dream to hear from God, good night. I'd have heard from him two times in 20,000 days. Do you you get what I'm saying? I don't want to live my life. I'd trade the two dreams for 19,998 days of hearing God's voice. Anytime. And that's how God wants to speak to you every day, all the time, ongoing. He loves you. He knows the number of hair on your head or not. (laughs) He picked out your personality. Maybe you've cursed it. But God picked it out. He knows you and he loves you. And day by day is trying to draw you to himself. And we sometimes are so unaware. We walk by, the Bible calls it paga, P-A-G-A. It's times where God purposely tried to intersect your life. He wanted your paths. You say, our paths crossed. God every day is trying to cause times where you cross paths with him. But you realize if you're unaware, you could walk right by what God is doing. We think, I'll have a burning bush. Moses had one his whole life. But it says this about Moses. God would talk to Moses face to face like a man talks to his friend. A burning bush is cool. But if you've got to have a burning bush to hear from God, you've missed 19,998 great days. Am I making sense to you? Jesus, take this word right now and cause it, Father, to have the effect and the purpose and the design that you uh, have in mind. Lord, I've given a lot. Uh, I've scattered a lot of seed. Let this seed fall into certain good places to bring back a harvest, a huge harvest. Father, draw your people to yourself this day and thank you for your mercy and your kindness. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen.